the Safety Doc Podcast with your charismatic host and prominent safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Be entertained and informed as the Safety Doc discusses both best and bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. The truth will keep you safe. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. This is Dr. David Perodin, and I want to thank you as we begin another journey into school and community safety. If you're looking for industrial safety expert, Appalachian State University professor, Dr. Timothy Ludwig, please visit www.safety-doc.com. Again, that's Dr. Timothy Ludwig at www.safety-doc.com. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. David Broden, and welcome to Safety Doc Podcast 61. What you need to know about the youth grooming epidemic. With me, I have Hector Solis, producer of the Awareness Podcast. And first, Hector, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Also to John Grant and the 405 Media out of Los Angeles, California. The 405media.com, airing the Safety Doc podcast daily, 2 p.m. PST. Again, the 405media.com out of Los Angeles, California. And the show is also brought to you by Sprigio, S-P-R-I-G-E-O, Sprigio.com out of Santa Barbara, the nation's leader in online reporting for bullying, harassment, threat to self, or threat to others. Again, Sprigio. Dot com. The purpose of the Safety Doc show is to rip away the rhetoric and get to the meat, get to the empirical basis of what you need to know to keep yourself safe and to keep others safe, keep your family safe. This is an explicit broadcast. This is a raw topic. Now, we won't be using necessarily explicit language, but right away up front, this is going to be a topic which might make some of you feel uncomfortable. It's probably going to make all of you feel uncomfortable, but we need to talk about this. It has to do with human trafficking, specific to human trafficking targeted at children. This has become very effective. Um, I have talked with a number of school administrators all across the country, and this is epidemic, folks. This is happening uh, in schools this is happening in two-parent families, in single-parent families, um, where you would put a, a, a potential profile. Police cannot keep up. They'll put up profiles, and they will get hit after hit after hit. Um, and, and it is where vigilantes, you know, people are, are going out and, and putting up profiles just to help out the police. If you go online and look some of this stuff up, it is completely terrifying, although like it's terrifying, we are going to empower you today to take that predator and keep that predator away from your kids. So we're going to do that today. Any questions, you can feel free to contact Hector. I'll have his contact information in the narrative. And you can also go to I believe, HectorAwarenessPodcast.com, correct? AwarenessPodcast.com. And you can also contact me and I can get that information back to um, Hector. So I, I have experience as a school administrator um, for over a dozen years, and that's where I'm going to work um, my perspective into this. And Hector has done a deep dive research into this um, to learn more about human trafficking, specific to youth 
and then also a number of very powerful interviews that he has done, which you can find um, if you do a search for Awareness Podcast. And they will completely change your perspective on this, folks. Again, um, I, ha- I I didn't think that this was possible. I, I look around my neighborhood and kids playing outside and things like that, and I can't imagine that all of a sudden um, I find out that somebody um, is, is missing um, because of you know being abducted by a predator. It can take a little bit of time. It can take more time. But I'm going to do an intro, folks, which I have... I have prepared, and I just want to get this so so we're on a congruent basis, that we're using the same terminology. And then Hector and I are going to go through some questions that are going to open up a discussion about grooming and um, child-human trafficking. So uh, today I am honored to have with you a good friend of mine, Hector Solis, founder and producer of Awareness Podcast. Hector will help us navigate our journey of the uncomfortable and perhaps terrifying areas of youth grooming and sex trafficking. This information is vital for parents and educators as it largely resides on the fringes of mainstream media and school counseling curriculums. We will talk about serious issues that are rarely reported to adults or the authorities. In fact, Hector will share that one expert he interviewed stated that only one in 80 to 100 cases of human trafficking are reported. Okay, get get that, folks. That's less than 2%. That's less than 2%. And the reasons for this will surprise you. Okay. It's also an area that crosses socioeconomic and racial boundaries and has infiltrated stable two-parent households as well as single-parent families or families in transition. In fact, some children have been communicating with groomers while in the same room with their family. We often hear people say, yes, but that happens to other people. It won't happen to me. It won't happen to my family. The fact is that this can happen to you. It can happen to your family. And if it does, you may never be able to mend the damage. This episode of the Safety Doc Podcast centers agency and purpose, and also personal well-being and personal safety. We will discuss adult themes, and therefore the show is not recommended for younger audiences without the presence of an adult. A detailed blog post for this episode is available at safetyphd.com. Resources and contact information will be provided. Also links out to the numerous resources that Hector has made available. So now, now, allow me to introduce Hector Solis. And, and Hector, please um, tell us tell us about yourself and, and how you um, took on this, this kind of dark but very necessary task of educating yourself um, as, as a parent and, and helping other parents to better understand uh, grooming uh, child sex trafficking and and everything that that goes into that very uh, strange, dangerous soup. Yeah. Well, last year at this time, I was in the same boat that I feel most people are um, nowadays. And it was uh, well, a little background about me. I, I I work in technology, so my profession, my career is in technology. However, my degree is in psychology, so it's kind of a weird mix there. 
but and I think the two lend themselves to helping me produce the the podcast. But uh, yeah, this time last year, I was in the same boat as many many of us have been, and I was doing another podcast with some buddies of mine, and it was a, it was a dad podcast. It was called the Typical Daddy Podcast, and I had taken over the show, um, and I was going to be producing it and getting my feet wet on understanding. Um, how the ins and outs of creating a podcast were producing it and effects and so on. And so I was also gave myself the task of coming up with the topics that we were going to discuss for that second season. And one of the topics that I had chosen because of my background in psychology was looking at the dangers of social media. And it was expected to be only like a half hour discussion with five dads on what we thought social media was. And of course, me being in te- technology, I thought, man, I got a handle on this. This is going to be quick, right? Sure. Um, like like face, uh, Facebook and uh, sure, and, and, Twitter uh, and, and Twitter you know, Instagram. Instagram. You've got it. All right. I got it down. No problem. <laughs> this is good. This is in my wheelhouse. Right. I can I can do this, guys. All right. I can lead this discussion. It was kind of a softball discussion that I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to get my feet wet starting to produce these shows for the Typical Daddy Podcast. And let me let me softball it, right? Let me throw some soft things. Uh, so that I can get prepared and do it well. Well, I've also been trained in research design and methodologies um, and running statistical analysis. And in my current profession, I understand the need for sample sizes and things like that to validate whatever you're measuring and the constructs that you're measuring. So, of course, when I do research into anything, I try to apply those methodologies into the strategies that I use when I do the research. So I did the same thing with social media. And one hour became two hours, two hours became four hours, four hours became eight hours, and so on, right? So about 20 hours later, I had this massive amount of content uh, in front of me, and I, it was hard to make sense of it because I was so shocked at how bad things were right. on, on, in the social media world. And so, you know, I immediately pinged the guys and I said, look, guys, this is going to be a bigger deal than we thought. Here are some resources. Don't don't half ass it. Basically look into it because it's 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 big. And so they all started looking into it and they started freaking out. So that one episode or one 30 minute segment that we were going to do turned into uh, three to four episodes about varying topics. And uh, we also got an author to come on and. she, her name was Nancy Jo Sales, and she had, done, she had written a book about the, the teenage life and social media. And we read through the book and were absolutely floored about what was going on uh, with social media. Right. So at that point, um, through the research, I had to put it aside. I saw things like cyberbullying. Um, I saw child sex trafficking. Um, as part of the child sex trafficking, I also saw grooming incident, incident, incidences and also uh, how predators are leveraging technology to get more access than they ever had previously in history. And I was absolutely shocked and I had to, I had to put that aside in order to get the episodes done. And so um, later on, I, uh, we tackled one, uh, an episode about cyberbullying. And I reached out to a mother of a teen that had committed suicide in, I believe it was 2016. She had come out in the local news, and at that time, she was trying to get a law passed here in Texas. And so um, 
one of the other dads said, hey, well, why don't you reach out to her and ask her if she wants to talk about it with us? And so I hesitated for a little bit, but I told myself, you know, if, if I'm nervous and scared to do this, then it's probably the right thing to do. Um, so I reached out to her. I contacted her via Facebook and told her kind of who I was and what I was trying to do. And probably within 20 to 30 minutes, she responded saying, here's my cell phone number. Call me. Wow. Anytime. And I was absolutely floored by that. I, I didn't know how to process that. But, you know, as scared as I was to do that, uh, I was getting ready to talk to somebody about possibly the worst day of their lives. Um, and I had never done that before. Um, I did it. I just picked up the phone and I just dialed and I said, Let, let's just go for it. Um, I talked to her in 30 minutes. We talked on the phone and she was very open with me and she was very happy that somebody wanted to share the story. And that was that was when the Awareness Podcast was ignited at that point. Um, after speaking with her, I knew that when doing these types of stories, it really wasn't appropriate for that podcast that we were doing. This is really heavy topics. A lot of these topics people don't really want to talk about or they want to, don't want to go in depth. And maybe they don't have the background or the understanding to process that information, especially the guys that I was working with at the time. So this is where I conceptualized the awareness podcast. And it would be a podcast that would be a no holds barred raw, um, very um, real podcast about stories that you hear in the media or on your social media timelines. And then we're going to go beyond that. So the tagline for the podcast is it's a podcast that, that uh, reveals the stories beyond the headlines. And that's the goal is to get that out to raise awareness. And the reason I came up with the, the term awareness is a lot of these stories that I was researching about, teens that had committed suicide and their parents coming out, they would frequently say, um, I don't want to talk to the media, but I'm doing it because I want to raise awareness about X. And so that's where the concept of awareness came to be. And um, the other reason I wanted to split this out is I didn't want to be limited by time. If a story took four hours to tell, right. then it was going to take four hours. The story dictated the amount of time that I was going to spend on the story. And I didn't want to put the guys in that situation. So the audience was different, on, um, different for Typical Daddy. So I created this awareness podcast in the attempt to help raise awareness and to share what I've learned as a parent to try to keep my kids safe. I want to share that with other parents as well. I found your podcast to be amazing. They are extremely well-researched. They are professionally rendered and I recommend them to everybody out there. Um, so Hector, thank, thank you, you for um, contributing to the overall good and, and you said the overall awareness. It's something I found um, in the podcast community, um, you know, being selective and, and finding people um, similar, you know, to what, to what you're doing with the Awareness Podcast. And, you know, you talked about having to put aside um, when you were learning about kind of all of the dark things that were out there, you know, with, with mm -hmm. bullying and whether it be human trafficking and, and, and it, it's almost like it started as you were describing that to me, it was kind of, um, this, this feeling. And, and I, I think I've been there, um, where it can overwhelm you 
and and you need to to just move away from it because that's the lens you start to see everything through this negative lens and and what we want to do today is awareness and and I'm going to add to that empowerment because um, this discussion is going to say yeah this is this is definitely happening and and we've seen TV shows um, what is it you know the Chris Hansen show where it's to catch a predator stuff yes. like that but you can go on on YouTube and and find um, so many versions of that and I, I think um, there there was a, a man up in Canada I, this just sticks out because he would only wear socks he never wore shoes but but mm-hmm. he would set up these these normal profiles you know like hey I'm, I'm just you know I'm a 15 year old boy um, with an interest in hockey and whatever and and then um, you know wait for people to contact him and, and to kind of lead down this grooming path and then he would, you know, he would it, at some point likely confront them and just say, you know, what you're doing is wrong. And, and I'm not sure how the police got involved in that. But I believe with him, I did a little bit of research, too, but um, be, he kind of got saturated with that and, and yes. took him into a dark place where he needed to back off from that, too. So what we're going to to do today and, and with my background in school administration um I will I will say I I'm aware of this. It's something though that very few schools are um, one willing to talk about because it, it's a very sensitive, it's a taboo subject, frankly. And the, they're they're not willing. Um, some districts, for example, that that I know students, I teach graduate students um, in educational leadership. And they'll say, Dave, we just um, got our first gay-straight alliance at our high school last year. Um, so if we can kind of gauge things of, of you know, are, are we ready to talk about grooming? Is it a concern? Yeah, absolutely. We know it's a concern. We can't bring this up. We don't know how to bring this up. And it's like, well, the thing is, though, we don't have time. The one child, the two children, the three children um, in, in, in your community, um, that might be targeted by a predator, um, that might have their life changed forever, um, if not, you know, lose their life and their families. We, we don't have time. We don't have time. And as you indicated, um, that internet line is the line into everybody's house. And um, that's also something you had shared in one of your podcasts. And that goes all the way back to um, when you interviewed someone, and it was back in 2001, they had started a chat with a uh, what turned out to be a predator, and this mm. this person, um, this this um, teenager at the time, thought it was another teenager. But I mean, two thousand one, you know. So we're talking right. quite a while ago. Um, and, and now this is so ubiquitous. I mean, you don't have to be home and dialing up on AOL. I mean, you can be anywhere and, and with your devices. Um, so this this is something where we're going to talk about what to look for, um, and also. Um, what you can what you can do and what you should do if you know your son or daughter comes to you and says, "Listen, I I, I think this is happening to me because they're going to probably present of saying um, if they do that of feeling guilty, they don't want to tell you. Maybe they're fearful." Um, but before we get into any of that, we hear the terms grooming, we hear the term sex trafficking, human trafficking, predator. What are those? What do those mean? Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. 
author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. Well, I have a hesitancy sometimes when I'm doing my episodes to call predator or the people that are doing this, the groomers, predators, monsters, things like that. Because immediately when you say those words, it elicits this imaginary, ugly looking being that is out there to attack somebody and that it would be obvious to somebody that a monster is in our presence. But really, it's the everyday guy, right? It's the person walking by you. It's the coworker that sits next to you. It's you know, the teacher that you interact with every day, it's uh, the friend that you knew for years. Um, you know, it's those type of everyday people that for some reason have have taken the jump to become a groomer or a trafficker, trafficker or a predator. So, uh, you know, I use I try to use that cautiously in my in my podcast. But let, let's go through the definition of what I, I think is grooming based on, you know, the eight months or so that I've already been doing the research on that. But um, to sum it up in one sentence, grooming is the sum of all communication with the goal to procure trust while simultaneously isolating the target of the grooming from friends and family. So establish the trust, get that deep connection with the person. And while they're doing that, do things that are going to socially isolate that person from their safety systems, and that is their family and their friends. So that's what grooming is. Uh, trafficking. Now, this one confused me a little bit because I started down the path of child sex trafficking, but that really falls under the umbrella of the bigger issue that's going on, and that's human trafficking. And I think in 2008 or so, somewhere around there, uh, Obama had um, done a speech where he was saying that human trafficking is the modern-day slavery. And really, that's what it is. It's it's modern-day slavery. It's so ingrained and embedded, and it's everywhere around us that we kind of blow it off. We don't even really notice it anymore. Um, and some of the signs are subtle, and some of them are pretty overt. But it's it's where we're walking down the street, and you see this old man with this young girl holding her in a way that seems inappropriate. And you kind of look, and you're like, something feels off. Chances are that's what it is. Um, but the human trafficking umbrella, uh, the definition for that is the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring, or receipt of persons by means of threat, use of force, or other forms of coercion, of abduct abduction, of fraud, of deception, of abuse of power, of position, of vulnerability, or giving or receiving of payments or benefits to achieve the consent of a person having control over another person for the purpose of exploitation. That's the key. So basically, you're taking somebody against their will, and you're going to exploit them. 
and there's many tactics that you use to exploit them. So uh, some of the some of the exploitation practices are prostitution of others um, and other forms of sexual exploitation, forced labor or services. We don't really tend to look at that, but sometimes if you see a street vendor, in even some people that are panhandling, right, could be trafficking human trafficking victims. They're forced to panhandle for other people. So you see the person and they look kind of not. You know, like they haven't been living in a home for a while. They you, you suspect that person that really doesn't look homeless, but they're asking for money as if they were homeless. Some of those are trafficking victims. Uh, and so you pass those maybe daily and you don't realize it. Um, slavery or practices similar to that of slavery, servitude or the removal of organs. Now, one of the, one of the stories that I... Um, was talking to the, the Dottie Laster. She's a human trafficking expert. Yes. Um, that's part of, I call team awareness. You're also part of team awareness. And pretty much anybody that comes on uh, my podcast uh, that, that is agreeing to interviews, I, I'm creating this team awareness kind of group. But Dottie Laster, uh, we have a good relationship. We've connected very well since we've met a few months ago. And we're in constant communication. Well, she shared with me one story of a particular person that was being groomed um, explicitly for harvesting her eggs. Oh my goodness. Yes. They wanted to harvest her eggs and they were selling her eggs on the black market. I'd never yes. heard of that before. Yeah. I, I hadn't either. I was shocked. So the, the extent that people will go to, to exploit another person. I mean, if you, if you think you can imagine the worst, you can't because every time I think I've heard it all, especially eight months into it, I hear another story and I'm, I'm floored. So, yeah, so that's what, that's what we're dealing with. And uh, one of the things you mentioned that, you know, this is, this is urgent. We don't have time to develop practices that are going to take time to flush out and things like that. We're going to have to learn by trial and error. And the reason we have to learn by trial and error is because technology is changing so fast. As soon as you lock down anything, within probably a day or two, another app has come out and it's changed the game. Or another device has come out and the game has changed. So we need to be able to have practices that are in place that are adaptive and flexible to address these issues and especially to teach our kids what these signs are like. Now, you mentioned that, that this is an epidemic and, and, and you know, it's a crisis. And there's going to be one story that, that will probably highlight this more than any other. In the last episode that I just released, episode nine, uh, the last half of it was a, a story about Carly Ryan, and she was um, uh, a teen from Australia. Well, the gentleman there, that the gentleman, the monster that that uh, that groomed her, he created a fake profile for a sixteen-year-old guy from Texas, and he his adopted father uh, was Shane, and so he was both personas. Okay, so. He, he set it up. He established a relationship with Carly as the son, the 16-year-old. And he established a relationship uh, from the father's perspective of that son. And so Carly had a birthday. And the guy said that his son was going to be on in, in a concert or something like that. But that he would travel to Carly's house and deliver the gifts for his son. So the parents were suspicious, naturally. They met up with him at a, at a public place, cafe. He came in in a uniform, 
based on the st- backstory that he gave them, right? So he dressed in the uniform. He yes. went in there. So he groomed the parents to trust them. And so they invited him over and he spent the night in their home. Wow. Now, all that stuff wasn't in the story. This is the backstory to it. But he spent the night in the home. And then it was the next morning. And this part was in the podcast where her mother, she said she didn't suspect everything, anything. Everything was good. And there was one moment where she just caught a glimpse of him eyeing her daughter. And she said it gave her the shivers. And she knew something was up. So immediately she kicked him out and she threatened to call the police. She disconnected the devices. She disconnected the internet connections uh, from the daughter. Now, at this point, the mother still believed that the 16-year-old son was real. So the daughter was warned about the father, that this father might be a creep. Uh, Right? Right. So this guy... Now the father pissed off because he was caught or the, the predator was pissed off because he caught. He vowed to get back at Carly. So what he did was he lured her out. He had the phone number of the home. So this was not a digital co- connection. Right. Lured her out to a place. And of course, yeah, he murdered her. But when he was caught, when the, the police raided his home, he was online. And they found at that time that he had over 200 profiles that were out there. And he was in the middle of grooming another teenage girl. So he had, he created 200 profiles and spread that net across the, the web to see how many flies he can catch in that web. And if you take this one guy and you say, all right, if the percentage is even less than 1% of people doing that, and you multiply that times 200 profiles of people doing that, the problem becomes really big. And at any moment, you can be snared in that fly. And human trafficking expert Dottie, she even mentioned that. She goes, when a fly is flying around and they fly into the web, they don't mean to fly into the web. They just do, and then they're stuck. They cannot get out. Right. Oh, that's that that's frightening. Um, mm-hmm. I, in the research I've done... Um, on online and and have watched uh, you know the, the police for example or other um, civilian groups that might be working with police that are just putting up profiles and we're talking about prof and and here's where I want to be clear on on this too is we're not talking about profiles where you know somebody is is putting up um, a nude picture or you know a, a, a sexually provocative picture this is a picture that could just be. You know, somebody w- with, uh, you know, a regular shirt and jeans on and they're hanging out in front of like, you know, um, a concert venue or it could be their backyard or anything like that. Um, so, you know, those are those are the type of images because what happens and and this is something to Hector. I've gone and and um, Christine O'Donnell was somebody she's a reporter um, at mm-hmm. the time you had interviewed her. Um, and one of the things that, that she commented about was after she had done a story um, with a young lady who had since become an adult, talked about her experience of, of being a victim of human trafficking, um, a number of comments in the comments section following the story were saying, uh, this girl deserved it. You know, she has a reputation. She should expect, be- you know, expect this. And, and, you know, it's, and it was victim blaming and victim shaming. I went in before our interview 
uh, today. I went in the last couple nights into similar articles, and I would say 80 to 90% of the posts are victim blaming and victim shaming. And it is, it is frightening. Um, and, and you talked about that too. So, so right there, um, you know, there, there is, um, you know, am I going to be believed when I, if I do come out, if I'm, if I, if I let people know and, and so, you know, that, that's leverage of course, that the predator has of people are just, you know, your, your, your reputation is going to be completely ruined and, and your family reputation after this, because, you know, they're going to know, um, you know, just you have no morals and, and, and no respect and you just willingly did this. Um, but I'm going to go back to that two, 200, you know, um, profiles. So I'm thinking of just fishing. Okay. I'm, I'm just like fishing mm. on a normal size lake. I'm, I'm thinking of yeah. taking a boat and, and taking 200, you know, fishing rods and, and throwing, you know, two, 200, uh, in, and looking at 200 bobbers out on a calm, water and all of a sudden a couple bobbers move a couple bobbers move and i'm like okay i'm gonna watch those i'm gonna watch those and so the people i was watching um online and the police would put up profiles it seemed like literally once they would put the profile up um within a couple minutes there would be you know the message or something and it would be that start of a grooming behavior which you said is very benign. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to give an example and, and you can, you can help me um, clarify or you can build off of this, but it would be, um, let's say somebody is 15 years old and they go to a concert and, and their friend um, takes a picture of them in front of the concert venue. And um, in back is the name of the, the concert. And obviously you can identify the arena. So the predator is going through and, and sees this picture, studies the picture and the predator is like, okay, I know the date of that concert. I know where it was at. I can go in. I can get the weather. I know how many people were there. I know the songs. All things that you can find and build this backstory. You can make a contact and say, listen, um, you know, my name is, you know, my name is William. And, you know, I I live, you know, in, in New Jersey. And I I was fortunate to go to that that concert. You know, um, I went, my my dad took me or my mom took me or something like this and i remember it was kind of it was it's kind of rainy but boy that was it was great like and here's a section that we sat in so like they bring up the you know diagram of the stadium mm-hmm. and it looked like he had a fun time and wasn't it really cool like outside like they had kind of the music going too and um and so they can just start a discussion about that and and i heard there's like you know there's a new con new concert or they're, they're doing a new tour um and are you going to any of those and but right there you know that discussion then someone's like oh this is somebody that went to the concert and here's just you know a static image you know that is of a of a boy who's you know similar in age to me and asking questions about this and seems to have this knowledge and really again you know it's it's this adult and it is this adult who scanned this context and you're having this discussion um and right there i mean there's not red flags in that. I mean, that's, that's a teenager with a teenager. You're, you're just separated by distance. Mm-hmm. So that's where that can start to work. So, so let me ask you this. Um, what might be some additional questions? Let's say that that was a, was a scenario. Um, mm-hmm. What might be over the, over the course of the next few weeks or whatever, how that might develop? Or let's say it's like, you know, she, she's 15, he's 17 going on 18, um, what might be some, some discussions? You know, 
You want to play that out? Let's yeah. see. Let's yeah. see. Project that out. Okay. Let's play that out. So, so there's a couple of things there. So, one, what's happening now is they're not even hiding how old they are. They're coming flat out and saying how old they are. Really? So that's one. Okay. Yes. And part of that is there's really no barriers to stopping them. If you think about it, if they get caught from one, well, they have 199 other ones that they can probably get. And so the idea for them is, I mean, they're getting bold. They're, they're not hiding anymore. So that, that's one. But let's take the scenario where it's another uh, a, a guy pretending to be somebody similar age. So the way the groomer was, and I'm putting myself in that perspective, is if I see that concert picture and I look at that concert, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go on to Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook and search the hashtag whatever that concert was. Chances are I'm going to see multiple pictures of that concert. And I'm going to pick the one scenario that somebody caught a video or whatever. Hey, when the singer fell down on the stage uh, during this set at this time, that was crazy, right? All I need is for that person that I'm targeting to respond anything back. Because now I know she's taken the bait or he's taken the bait. Okay? Somebody that's not going to respond or not going to do anything, they're just, you'll never get a response from them, right? But they'll take the bait. If they take the bait, now I've got them. So they'll respond, oh, yeah, that was silly. Now I know that I have a potential victim here. So I'm going to dig into that social media profile of that person. All accounts, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, anything that's Snapchat related, maybe pictures or whatever of friends. And I'm going to look at all her friends. And then I'm going to dig into all her friends' pictures and her friends' situations. They have time to do this. These people are very, very patient, and we underestimate how patient they are. And so they will build this complete narrative just from that person responding, oh, yeah, that was dumb, or, or yeah, that was cool, or whatever the case is, or even just hi. So they build this narrative around that, and they use that to establish the trust. So they look for um, that, that person, let's, let's call her Jennifer, right? So Jennifer has 30 other friends. So I go into those 30 friends and I look at the conversation and then Jennifer was fighting with Lucy and they were fighting because Lucy said that her hair looks stupid that day. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at her pictures and I'm going to say, Hey, your hair looks amazing today. Right? So now I've got her friend saying something negative and now I'm saying something positive. So this is where I'm building the situation where I'm telling that person what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. And that is what we have up against us as parents is we cannot compete with somebody that's going to give our kids the world, literally anything that they ask for. If they need money, I'll wire it up. Give me, you have a Gmail account. I can send that to you in a few seconds. Let me send you $200 to your Gmail account. Just like that. And now with Apple pay, Apple pay now, through text, you can send money, uh, Apple phone to Apple phone. So the technology is making it easier on our lives, but it's also facilitating what these predators can do and what they can offer to our kids. And so now the kids have access to pretty much anything. And us as parents, every time we tell them something they need to hear and that's not consistent with what they want to hear, the predator would jump on it. Because if the kid is not experienced in social media, they're going to go and complain about it on their social media. And wh who's there watching? The predator. You know what? 
I got home and I, I did my homework. I got an A in class, but my mom won't let me go to to the movies with my friend. The predator's going to jump on that. What? You are the smartest person that I know. How could your parents do this? I don't think your parents respect you. I don't think they trust you. They start hammering on that. And every chance they get, it's a little nick, a little nick, a little nick to that trust and the relationship that has built, built um, that the parents have built over time can be destroyed in as little as 18 months. And one of the stories that I released on my podcast was of an adult that had been groomed. She was a 24-year-old. And her relationship with her whole family was completely destroyed to the point where this person does not talk to her family anymore in 18 months. And this, this family was a wealthy family. They were paying for her, her college completely 100%. They were paying for her room and board uh, to live a few hours away at that college. And she was six months away or six weeks away from graduating six to I don't remember if it's six months or six weeks, but she was close to graduating and getting ready to go into medical school. And she threw it all away because she said hi to somebody on um, one of the, the, the online games that she was doing and the predator got a hold of her. But that's wow. that's how that's how that's how easy trust can be destroyed because you, you can't compete with somebody that's giving your 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 kids everything that you that you shouldn't be giving them because you're trying to teach them right so we need to get out in front of it we need to be getting out there before that happens we need to teach our kids to be self-aware to self-regulate some of these conversations that they're having online but what does that require that requires us to learn what those technologies are and as soon as you know what technology you've got so okay great i've never been on facebook i learned facebook or or i've never been on snapchat i learned snapchat 10 other apps pop up that predators are going to be using. So the predator is going to use whatever tools are available. If five more tools come up, I'm going to see how I can exploit that to get access to your kid. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now. Back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. So I've got a couple, Hector, that's, that's uh, I mean, that is a, a moving account. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to add a couple things to that. So you talked about, um, so also I think with, with the groomer, um, the groomer is probably going to take any opportunity to share a parallel experience, you know, like yes. saying, um, um, yeah, I, I know what it, I, I know what it's like, um, to grow up without money or like, I know what it's like to, um, not be able to, to go on a vacation with my friends. I mean, whatever they're sharing, like they can say, I had that similar experience, or even if it's like, 
you know, I, I've, I'm very anxious and like I'm taking a certain kind of med. Oh yeah. Like I, I took that and I understand what you're, what you're feeling and how that, mm -hmm. so, so building that parallel. Um, I, I, I talked about this, um, in one of my podcasts and it's amazing because you talked about this, this young lady was, was headed toward medical school. Mm -hmm. And we think, how could, how could somebody, um, who has, you know, obviously, you know, intellect and, and analytical skills and, and probably high awareness, um, be brought into a situation like this. And it's one of those things too, where if you don't have solid, uh, member checks, and I'll talk about what that means in, in just a minute, because it, it's used in research, but I think it's something we need to bring into schools, and and I'll I, I'll get into that. But um, it's basically uh, you're right. When everybody or one person tells you exactly what you want to hear, okay, um, you're not getting feedback that's useful at all. You're just getting validated and validated and move further and further away from the real world. It's it's also like a um, you know let, let's take it in a different context. I mean, if it's a very powerful um, you know, um, celebrity or something like that. I mean, and they have mm -hmm. people around them, the people around them are going to, to tell the celebrity things that make the celebrity, um, happy and, and, and feel good and not give feedback that might be honest because they don't want to upset that celebrity and, and harm that relationship. So what, what a member check is, and, and this is where I think we have an opportunity to look at school counseling curriculums and introduce what a member check is. And also for parents to, to understand what a member check is. So a member check um, is, I'm gonna give a few examples here, but in, in research, a member check is, and you're probably familiar with this, Hector, but for those listening, um, basically it might be three or four other people that you trust and people that can um, come to you and say, listen, like something's not right with you, something's off, I've noticed this about you, like you're being real secretive, you're not, and, and somebody that can do that. You're not, nobody likes that. Even in research and being a researcher and going through that, my doctoral dissertation and meeting with my member checks and I'll, I remember my first thing was to get defensive and I think it's important to tell, you know, tell kids too, it's like, you know, if, if I bring this up with you as the counselor or the teacher or the parent, or, you know, if your friend brings this up, you're probably going to be defensive. That's going to be natural. And that's one of these things, too, psychologically. If you tell people what to expect ahead of time and that feeling happens, they, they typically can acknowledge that and move beyond that pretty fast. Even in, like, even in very chaotic situations, you know, if, if, if you, you know, let them know ahead of time. Um, I've studied this in disaster situations. Like this is probably going to happen. Um, people can handle that much better, um, even though it is as severe. If you know whether they knew it or or they didn't, the fact that they knew it, even without any more preparation, they just psychologically get beyond it. But it's having that member check. It's having those people who are close enough to you, and that's where it needs to be. Parents to parents who who are talking with their kids. Show me the internet. What do you know about? the internet, what do you know about the apps? What do you know about privacy settings? Hey, like, you know, um, I saw this thing or I listened on the radio and they're talking about like Backpage and there was this this site called Backpage and they said, you know, that there's a, a lot of things that have gone on with Backpage that have concerned people. Um, and, and, you know, not to make this about Backpage, but because it is publicly out there that there have been articles, Backpage, mm -hmm. um, is is where some uh, human trafficking has occurred, solicitation has occurred. Pretty pretty blunt, as you've said, 
um, yes. on on Backpage. Um, I, I watched part of a documentary, and you know it, it would say you know uh, this person is is available or has an interest in. I mean, there's a little bit of a of a clouded language used, but I mean it's pretty clear to say, okay, like if I contact this person, it's basically you know like a not even online escorts, basically like online prostitution. But is that person on the mm-hmm. other end? Is that someone who's being trafficked? And and right. this is so. Um, so let, going back to member checks, but member checks, and, and this is where I, I think we need to be stronger, and this is where we make kids stronger, mm-hmm. and that's and that's telling them, you know, this is your friend, you care about your friend, and we do the same thing with parents. And if something's not right, like your job is as 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 friend, good friend, because mm-hmm. you want to them to do this with you and. Is they say something's something's not right here, and and you talk, or then you take that and give them that feedback, and hopefully they share something, or if not, you take it to an adult, and it's the same thing with a parent. Parent's job isn't to be the friend of the child. You want to be a friend of your child, but if it comes right down to it, it's like show me the the phone. I need mm-hmm. to know the phone. Um, we need to open up this phone, and if something's going on, I'm not going to be mad at you. I am going to help you through this okay we will sit down and, and that was mentioned in in one of your one of your podcasts was that nancy Nan, nancy that shared that um it was krista miller i believe she okay. she was the parent or the mother of a her daughter was in a trafficking situation yes yes and and and, and what she was saying is it was so important for her to convey to her you know, to her daughter in that situation and, and to others that, you know, you you don't get all angry and, and upset. I mean, it would be, or if your child would approach you and say, you know, I have, I, I believe I'm addicted to, you know, heroin mm-hmm. or, or something like that. It's right. to say, let's work together and to get through this. So that that's, that's that member check. And the member check is this raw honesty. And as someone who is willing to kind of call you out who knows you and the, and that goes both ways so if that is that's you and you see that happening to your friend you just don't sit by saying oh, i'm not so sure something's not right um but i'm 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 gonna let it go even though like we talked in class even though the counselor talked about you know someone is really secretive on the phone thing and she seems to have gotten like a lot of money and i'm not sure where she got this um, and she's also talking about like, you know, making a trip over to like this other area or, or whatever. I mean, all of these things, um, step up, like, don't be quiet, step up because if it harms a friendship, it harms a friendship. It might save a life. It might save a life. Member checks. Um, it was back, um, in about a hundred years ago, actually. Um, Hector, it was, uh, Henry Ford, Harvey Firestone, um, John Burroughs, who was a, um, a naturalist, and Thomas Edison. And, mm-hmm. and the four of them would go out on, on camping excursions. And they would sit around and basically be very direct and blunt with each other about, um, of, you know, here, here's, here's um, some things that I think you need to consider about your, you know, yourself and, and things like that. And they did that for, I believe, nine years. And they, and, and they call themselves the Four Vagabonds. But actually, mm-hmm. the fact that they did that and they had that ability to be very direct and they, they had that kind of shared, you know, they, they, they knew what each other was going through. Like if you're um, a 15-year-old and your friend is a 15-year-old, you know what, they're, you know what a 15-year-old's mm-hmm. life is like. So yeah. it was that member check that really made them stronger because it was somebody pointing out to them um, some things of different ways to look at it. And when I went through research, I remember, you know, somebody 
um, pointing out to me, um, listen, I, th- I think you're shallow, like in, in this area of, of your research. And I think you need to contact whatever, and it's going to mean you're going to have to add some time to your project and whatever. And I'm like, this was good. Like what I did was, was great and everything. But then I, I step back from it and I'm like, I trust this person. I, I believe, you know, they they have my best interest. I'm going to look into this. And, and that's where we get into teaching this whole concept. I think of member checks, which isn't, isn't again taught in, in schools. Um, so I, I wanted to, to bring, you know, that up. Um, and I, I want to expand on that a little yeah, bit, if yeah. you uh, will allow me. Um, so we have a scenario where you and your dissertation, you went in and they prepped you and they said, all right, you're going to have this member checked or, or member check concept that's going to be applied here. You've got these advisors that are that you you should trust because of their expertise in a particular area. So they basically walked you through saying, you know, you're going to hear some of these things, right? They're going to be uh, for your own good, but you're going to have to deal with them and process them and decide whether or not you take that advice or not. So when we're applying this to the concept of grooming and teaching our kids about the dangers and safety of Internet, we need to do the same thing with our kids, saying, before anything happens with social media, name me the four or five people, your friends, the people you know that you trust absolutely and completely. And then, of course, me as a parent. Because I'll tell you this, if you do the member check without the preparation, it won't work. Right. And I'll give you an example. Um, one of the episodes that I released, it was on Breck Bedner. So he was a 16-year-old uh, boy that was into online gaming. And he was introduced to an online gaming server server from the friends that he grew up with. Okay, So these are the kids that he went to the same schools with. It was like four or five boys. They invited him in. Well, unbeknownst to him, there was another friend that was on there that they met online and he they had been communicating with this guy his name was lewis danes and he was an 18 year old and um as soon as breck came in that guy realized that breck was a target and so he immediately started grooming breck but his mother lauren lauren lefave breck's mother was hyper aware she knew exactly what the signs were of grooming and in the uk they are more advanced than we are here in the U.S. when it comes to these type of topics. Um, you know, they, they, they still need a little ways to go, and we all need a ways to go, but they seem to be more willing to address some of these issues um, legally and uh, from a social perspective. So she was very aware of what was going on, and she identified the grooming almost immediately. She, she realized that this guy who was supposed to be 16, 17, 18. And actually she mentioned that when she would walk into the room and the groomer, cause it would be on a video chat, okay. uh, would see her, he would address her. He would talk to her. He would ask her questions. And she picked up the vibe that this guy, he says he's 18. Now he really was 18, but he seemed older than he was. So her red flags went up and she said, Every time I walked into the room, there would be a little dancing emoji or icon uh, that represented her. Like, hey, my mom's in the room. Let's, you know, talk about clean things. And she said progressively as she started to confront the groomer, that little dancing doll turned to like a dancing Hitler and it got darker and darker and darker. So she immediately talked to her son. She says, look, I don't understand why you're having so much conversation with this guy. He seems like he's grooming you. 
Now, I want to have a meeting with you and all your friends and their parents, and we're going to talk about this guy and what he's doing and why he's trying to pin you against us. So, of course, uh, uh, Breck went and told Lewis that we're going to have this meeting. We're going to talk about you. So what Lewis did was he said, get your recorder, and I want you to record the conversation. And then I want you to give it to me so that I can listen to see what ammunition your mom is having against me. Now, he didn't explicitly say that, but he wanted the recording. So in one of, in that episode that I released, there's a clip that I found from that actual meeting with Breck. And you hear his mom and his dad doing the member check with him. And they're saying, look, uh, Breck, we believe that this guy is grooming you. Specifically called it out, grooming you. And his response was to blow it off. He said, you're blowing it out of proportion. It's not that serious. A few months later, he was killed by that guy. And, and Lauren mentions in, her, uh, in the episode, she mentions the horror that he must have felt when he realized that his mother was right, right. all that time. So the grooming happened over, um, I believe it was 18 months. Eight months, actually. It happened over eight months. And he find, and, and nothing in the conversations was sexual. There was no sexual talk. There was no uh, deviant talk. What he started doing was he started isolating Breck from his friends, the people that were in that same group. And the friends picked up on it, too. So one of the key things that Dottie, the human trafficking expert, mentioned to me in our discussions, and I, I believe she mentioned in one of the episodes we did, was that the information that you're going to get about this type of situation happening is going to come from the siblings and the friends. They are the ones that are going to be hyper aware that something is wrong. Something is off. Like you said, if you had a friend that's, a, a, that, that's your member check and they notice that all of a sudden you're receiving money and your parents are not giving you money because I know your parents, right? Where did you get that iPod or where did you get that iPad? You know, what's going on? They, they, their senses are more attuned to the nuances of the behaviors that they're seeing from their friends because their friends, um, the person's going to let their guard down around their friends, right? They'll have their guard up around their parents because, you know, as kids, we, we did things that our parents didn't approve of. But around our friends, we're more real, uh, you know, day to day with them. And so they can pick up on those nuances. So I like the concept of imploring the member check, but we need to do it in a way that establishes the member check people with the parents or the school counselors or the school administrators. And that we know that, hey, if something is happening to you, we're going to come to you. And these are the key terms that we're going to tell you because we've already explained what grooming is. We've already walked you through the patterns of what it looks like and the possible outcomes. We've laid out a roadmap for what's happening. And our member checks are going to make sure that you're not falling into that roadmap of what a predator needs to make sure that they um, reach their goals. That's incredible. I, I am so thankful that you expanded on that and you know actually Hector coming into this I the the term member check came to mind I had talked to you know I, I had said I, I had done some you know research and and into um, you know like Henry Henry Ford and some of that but but um, I I'm seeing more as we're having this conversation right now 
that that term and that process needs to be a huge part of the counseling curriculum in schools. And whether it be counseling or whether it be the church group or whether it be the after school, the 4-H group or the parents or just the family and, and just the, or the, the people who are the neighbors and, and all of these types of, of things, um, that, that needs to happen because you're right, that detection is going to be there and it's going to be, or it's going to be someone saying, "Hey, don't, don't, men- don't, don't mention anything to my parents, okay? Like, like I've got right. this under control or something like that." And it's like, "No, if I hear that, no, like I, I, I need to take that. I mean, I, I need to take that information because you do not know, and you, you've talked about it several times here of what's mm-hmm. on the other end. This isn't someone, um, you know, who is ending up, um, you know, being taken to, you know, some movies or, or being." You know, it, this is somebody who typically who might end up murdered, and and a yes. parent is getting a knock at the door, and the police are there and saying, "We found your son or daughter, and they're dead." Yes, and um, I want to I want to build a few things off this. So you you talked about the you know talking about the member check, and this is something people will will jump at doing like surveys. They'll do surveys. Mm-hmm. Schools do this all the time. They'll do a survey, and and they might ask in and they'll think they're getting. Um, a handle on this by doing a survey and the survey might be, um, okay, so here's some questions that you and I had talked about. Um, and I'm, I'm going to talk about these questions, but I'm going to talk about these questions and I want people to imagine right now if student, if a student is answering these questions in a survey, okay, like they might have some choices or whatever, or if this is an actual discussion, you know, and when I talk discussion, I'm not talking about something that three minutes and rushed and the bell rings and everybody's gone. Like this is a counselor, you know, with a class or a, a group of students and some time and actually having a discourse. But here, here's questions. And again, I want, I want people to think about this of, of how would you respond or how might someone respond if this is a survey or how might someone respond if, the, if this is, a, you know, somebody who's actually asking you these questions and you're giving some answers or someone else gives an answer, you can build upon that answer. You can say, I don't quite understand what this means. Can you, can you explain it a little more? So these are, these are some core questions that help to surface um, if there's possible uh, grooming um, that, that, that's happening. So these are questions that you and I had, had worked on. And, and first of all, for anybody else, these don't exist. Like, I mean, you, you can't search for these and find these out, the, out on the net. Like, it took us a while to put these together. Um, so here we go. Um, I'm, I'm going to just, I'll go through these questions. So um, what do you know about the internet? So again, we're, 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 we're thinking this could be, you know, a counselor asking this could be, could be a parent having this conversation. Hey, what do you, what do you know about the internet? Um, do you use privacy settings on your apps? Help me to understand how the privacy settings work. Maybe like show on, on my device here. How do, how do they work? Um, how many, how many adult friends do you, do you have online? Uh, you know, do you communicate with your friends, your adult friends online? Do you share uh, pictures of yourself with your friends online? Have you shared pictures or texts that your parents might not approve of? Or, you know, it could be or that, you know, your grandparents, if your parents are asking this. And um, are there any adults not considering your parents that you trust completely? So you, as you said, um, when you have this, you're going to be able to get a vibe of how the response is and how the response of, of the group is. And people might ask questions and be like, okay, have you shared pictures or texts? So, so what, what are, what are some examples you're thinking of? Or, 
you know, give me an example. And are you talking like, you know, um, just just like regular pictures or like a picture if it's like my boyfriend or girlfriend or something like that? Um, and where where you're sharing it as well, which apps. So it like it like you mentioned, those things are a basis to start the conversation. And that way you're you're gonna see at what level your kid is at. And right. um, Alicia Kasakevich, on one of the episodes that I did, she mentions that that you gotta start real softball questions, real safe questions. These are very safe uh, to ask um, any kid about. And you're just gauging. And, and even now, I, I even asked my youngest daughter, who's um, eight years old, I'll ask her some of these questions just to gauge to see what she's being exposed to at school. She already know that some of her friends at this age have cell phones. Okay. So that was a shock to me. I would not give my daughter an, a cell phone with internet connection at eight years old. But I can't control what her friends are doing. So are her friends lending her the device and she's going online and doing these things? So asking these type of questions gives you a gauge. If they come out and they're very articulate and very knowledgeable about answering these questions, then that's a big red flag. Okay, well, if I'm not teaching my daughter these things, who is? Right. So, so Hector, I have a, I have a personal account on this. Um, it wasn't too long ago. Um, my daughter, who does not have a a smart device, um, doesn't have a cell phone, um, came home and after staying uh, overnight with a friend um, that she's stayed with a number of, of times and, and suddenly um, a phone appears, a smartphone appears. And we say, well, what's the deal? Well, my friend upgraded, so they, she gave me the phone. And we're like, um, Okay, tell us more about this. You know, so like our, it, and it happened. The phone was still active. Like she could use the phone. She could have actually made calls and and everything. And we said, and and you know, quickly she was she was playing it off. Like you know, this is it. Just you know, so I can I can I can talk with her and all the kids in my class. You know, are, have phones now and 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 we just you know we took it down and said you know we're not. We're not upset, but, you know, if, if you do have a phone, when we talk about what, you know, purpose of a phone would be, uh, we will do that uh, as a family. Like, we'll go in with you. We'll pick out a phone. It'll be on our family plan. You know, we'll have a discussion and, and all of that. So what you need to do right now is, is this, this phone needs to go back to her. We contacted the parents and said, you know, the phone's coming back um just wanted to maintain that relationship and the mm -hmm. phone you know did go back but it was one of those things where um yeah i was like oh my goodness you know like that was completely frightening um just for the fact of how easy that happened and it was it was not even mentioned so mm -hmm. something i'm going to add add into this um you know you you talked about how a groomer will you know also let's say you know, be very. We'll, we'll tell the child uh, what they want, what they want to hear. Mm -hmm. And I, I recently um, listened to a very in-depth podcast about a designer of video games, and the designer was saying that ten years ago, video games were designed for entertainment and very um, 
complicated eye-catching graphics and and these engaging scenarios and and all of that to captivate the the user and, and he said it's not that way anymore what's happening right now is the video games and i think there's a parallel here that's why i'm bringing this up but so the video games um the industry is hiring psychologists psychiatrists social scientists and they're sitting down and they're studying um addiction and they're studying and and you you might have well, I did a podcast on this, but the World Health Organization and then the American Psychiatric Association um, have identified um, online gaming now as an addiction. It actually has an mm -hmm. ICD-10 code, which means a doctor can categorize it um, as as an addiction area. But so there, there's these games are being changed to send out push notifications or basically saying, "Hey, you know what." You haven't played for 13 hours and like your your tribe, you know, which could be a fictional group or whatever, you know, um, is having a hard time, um, you know, keeping the island without you or, you know, like the farm that you've been taking care of. Your animals are hungry. You need to get in there. Well, it's the same type of psychology in a way that's being used by that that groomer is to mm -hmm. periodically, you know, to check in with that person. And, and then once these people... Are, you know get the push notification and it's like hey thanks for going in and, and doing it it's a little bit of a dopamine rush it's like huh someone's you know checking in on me that's pretty cool like this person cares about me and yes and that's exactly so you talked about this this parent that was hyper hyper aware um, yeah. that something was happening what what was she seeing that were you, you talked about you know the dancing emoji but what were the other symptoms that the parent was seeing that gave the feeling this is grooming yes so i'll give you a high level because in the episode i mean i pulled out about 40 minutes of her discussion and she walks us through uh she gave a dis, uh, um, a conversation she had a conversation with a classroom of people and she walked through the story and i pulled the pieces of the story that were specifically related to grooming but some of the things that she started noticing she had a really good relationship with her son I mean, it was rock solid from the beginning, from birth. You know, you, it was obvious that her son, she had other kids, but this one was, was her favorite. And uh, it was very respectful boy, very articulate, very smart. Um, you know, he had an aptitude for uh, software engineering. So he was, he was studying about that. So he was, I would say, above average as far as intelligence for his group and some of the interests. And so this groomer, this predator was in that same context. He was a, actually an out-of-work software engineer. So he could relate to him on a deep level that uh, most other people couldn't. And Breck, which is the guy you're talking about, um, he, he acknowledged that. So what started happening is, um, you know, he, his mother bought him this gaming system, three monitors, and got him all set up, got him the whole hookup. And he would play with, with uh, on the gaming system for hours at a time and what she started noticing is when this guy was added to the group or when her son got added to that group that new group that his behavior started to change very subtly and what she would one of the examples she gave was um she would say okay breck can you log off real quick from the from the gaming system we need to go to the store and we need to go get groceries whereas before he used to jump all over it he would put it down and immediately go then he started to find excuses not to go. And so there were times where they had to leave the house and he had to come with. And he wouldn't, in the past, wouldn't give her any problems. But now he started saying, well, Lewis, which is this guy, 
Well, Lewis says, I don't have to do this. Well, Lewis says, I don't have to do that. Right. Right. So immediately her red flags, well, who's this Lewis guy? So immediately that's where her red flags went up. She had heard about grooming. She, she worked at a school. I believe she was, um, uh, what do you call it? A substitute teacher or something to that effect over there. She started asking the teachers around her, hey, do you know what's going on? Have you heard of these things? And nobody wants to talk to her about it. They thought, you know, you're crazy. You're overreacting. Um, she actually called 911 or the emergency services and said, I have, uh, I suspect that my, my son is being groomed. And I actually played that call. It's, it's on the episode. So you can hear uh, her concern in her voice. And she said, I just want you to do a check on this guy just to make sure that everything's good. So they promised that she was that they would do the the check on him. Well, they didn't do the check, but if they would have done the check, they would have shown that he was suspected of raping a thirteen year old. So um, you know, she she immediately picked up on those things and she tried everything. I mean, everything that I would have done as a parent, she tried and right. it didn't work because the grooming already had a grip on her. And this is where uh, I was shocked. This was this was one of the stories that made me decide from doing one episode to doing a series of episodes on how dangerous grooming is. And we really, really underestimate it. So we need to be prepared as parents um, and teach our kids before it happens. Because once you're in it, like she was, she couldn't get out. He, she tried everything to get him out, out of it. And it just, it just didn't work. So what happened was when she finally established that, yes, this guy is grooming, she disconnected the internet. She removed his devices. She kind of uh, isolated him digitally. But what happened is their communication went underground. And now she didn't have right. any visibility. Right. Right. And that's where it became extremely dangerous. So, you know, it's it's one of those deals where how do you know what you don't know? <laughs> right. It, and, right. And to build off of this, too, is, is the manipulation that can happen um, – also, in other cases where it can be, um, listen, I know this about you or your family. You know, if it, if it starts to be like, um, I, I can't talk to you anymore or, yeah, my parents are going to have this, this, this meeting or whatever it is. And yes. there can be a ton of pressure that's applied then. Or even, you know, if there's, um, as I, I think the term is collateral, you know, like you've mm -hmm. sent me a picture of you, which you wouldn't want getting out to other people. Well, that picture is going to be out everywhere. I'm going to post it and you're going to have to deal with that. And it's everybody in your school is going to see it. And then that person's going to be backing off because I don't want that. And I, and then they, you know, it's, it's that. And then they also don't want that for their family. Um, yes. I, I, I remember, um, years ago when I was a director, um, of special education, there was a high school student that started to deal um, marijuana and, and mm -hmm. was, was from a, a very typical family. And this was just to some of his friends, but he had made some connection out in California. And this kid in this, or whoever it was in California was sending him the, the drugs and he was sending the money back. And pretty soon this, this high school kid's business was, quote, business was growing and um, the other drug dealers in the area who were very well established and gang affiliated confronted him and said, this stops or you're dead. And he was so terrified. He went to the police and he he said, um, this is what I've been doing. And I am completely afraid that they're going to kill me and kill my family. And they, even if I'm talking to you, but like, I don't know what to do. And I know like I'm going to go to jail and all of that. And mm -hmm. but the police, you know 
uh, were able to work through him and and then um, you know back to to the to the source of of this and but I mean this this kid was completely terrified. I mean he expected mm-hmm. to come home from school and to find his parents murdered and and so he um, you know he had made that that decision but was very much on the cusp of just you know um, you know not not saying not saying anything. And I think the pressure actually, as I go back to this, was they wanted to say, you work for us now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you've, you've cultivated this group and all of that. You've got your in and uh, you work for us. Like we are Give your boss cut. now. Um, so I, I want to get into some some questions here. Um, so we got in, we got into the questions to ask about the, the grooming. So as what I want to what I want to take right here is you know you, you just talked about this young man and, and the mom seems like she's doing everything right she's she's calling you know law enforcement to do a background check. Is there anything you pull out of that in, in your additional research of saying if this is absolutely where things are at, like the parent has done all of these things and it is still like hyper concerned, what might be one other step? I mean, is there like another person to call? Is there like another counselor to call? Is there you know, it it, 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 what, what happens? I mean, what, what is the possible, that, that, that's where I would be so frustrated with this um, and, and just tearing my hair out of saying I did everything, which it sounds like this person did. Um, yes. So w- what would you put out there in addition, and not to say that this person didn't do everything that they could, but just saying of everything that you've learned and discovered, um, what would be like, and maybe this is like an interface like through the school of going in and, and something that a school could hypothetically develop or something that hypothetically develops of more of a police task force, or maybe it is like, you know, the, the thorn or the national mm-hmm. center for missing exploit. What do you, yeah. what do you think Hector? You know, I asked myself that question after finding that, that story and researching that story, you know, I had to stop for a little bit and, try to analyze everything that she did and what I would have done, you know, up until that point, everything that I've researched on grooming, I'm like, I got a handle on this as a parent. I can, I can do this. I, I, I can figure this out. I can, um, identify a groomer and I can stop it in its tracks. And then I came across this story and it absolutely scared me. It terrified me. I spent many hours just thinking about it. You know, I'd be walking through my day and it would pop into my head and like, what else could she have done? What else could she have done? And the answer is, nothing and that's the scary part it's too late right it's too late it's too late and uh, you know what i searched in my mind and that maybe the one thing she could have done is followed up again with the policeman or the police call if right. if I, i'm expecting you to check and i want a response in 48 hours if i don't get a response in 48 hours i'm gonna call back i need you to confirm that you've checked but again, that's only as good as the person on the other line that says they're going to do it, that they, actually, that they actually do it. Now, in this scenario, the predator would have been known. But what if this guy is just starting out right. and he's not known to law enforcement? Then there's nothing. There's no recourse. There's nothing. So what do we need to do? So you need to bring it back further. So this is where the member check piece comes in. This is where that's the awareness piece comes in. This is where the awareness to action. Yeah. You're scrolling past those events on your timeline, but dig a little bit and understand what's going on, especially if your kids are young. And even if they're older, as we now know that adults are susceptible. And in the research that I found, 
a, a doctor, a professor that was doing research on grooming victims, she could not identify a particular victim profile. I the found that only, too. the only profile that, or the only requirements that were necessary for somebody to be groomed was that they had access to the internet. Well, that's pretty much the whole world. Right. So, you know, this, if you now think about these predators that used to go to the playgrounds or go to the elementary schools and sit outside and stalk their prey, now they're sitting back and building their elaborate web of deceit and lies so that they can catch as many unsuspecting victims as possible. And once they're in that web, that fly is not going to get out of there by maybe some happenstance that they happen to fall out of that web. But once they're in there, they're in there. And getting them out is going to be a tough, tall task, especially for a parent that is not familiar with the grooming tactics and what they're up against. So we really need to make ourselves aware, and then we need to take that awareness and apply something to it, whatever it is. Do member checks, do trainings, do uh, engaging your community, engaging the schools. But like you said, you go to the schools and they'll be like, what? Well, we don't talk about that. That's that's not something that's appropriate for this level of discussion, right? So they'll do that. So you're right. So now where do they turn? Okay, well, who out there is teaching about grooming? I went to look and there are a few places out there that are teaching about it. Right. You, you mentioned there was, there was an online class, right, that mm-hmm. you discovered um, somewhere – and and you can get me the link to that 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 mm-hmm. people could like parents or or possibly counselors could take to to get some fundamental education to to what's going on with this yes um, which and yeah and that was specific to social media training so i i started as a parent i'm like okay i need help let me go find help so i scoured the internet for hours upon hours upon hours looking for and i came up across uh one state and I want to say the state is Michigan, but I'm not sure. I I need to confirm this. But there's one state that actually applied state tax dollars for a funding, funded a program for a group of, I believe it was three ladies. I think maybe two of them were PhDs and one of them was a master's level. And they were part of the state police. They were uh, employed by the state police. And their sole responsibility was to talk to whoever they need, whoever needed the talk. So if a church wanted them to come in and teach about social media and how to use it and the dangers of it and all the apps that parents need to be made aware of, they would go and do that. If a school requested it, they would go into the schools and they would do it completely and 100% funded by the state. So I had reached out to one of them and she had agreed to come on my podcast. I just haven't gotten a chance to get her back on here, but I have the link somewhere. I need to get that and I need to follow up on that. But they were the one resource that was being proactive in this situation. And it really starts with social media and uh, learning how to navigate social media safely and as well as the internet. And so it starts there. And then you say grooming is actually a danger of being online. So first you need to gauge the level of, of your kid or your students. What is their experience with being online? And, and you may just say here, here's an iPad, here's a computer, what do you know what to do? Let, watch them. Just sit back and watch. Do they know where the browsers are? Do they know what browsers are? Do they know that they can go to a browser and they can type in internet, the, the, uh, an internet web address? Do they know that they can do searches for certain things? Just sit and watch and take notes 
okay, they know about this, they know about this, they don't know about this. And you ask them, hey, can you find me this? And they'll say, sure. And they'll go in there and if they can find it quickly, you know, okay, how are they learning this information? Then you ask, who taught you that? And then they'll say, oh, my, my friend has a smartphone and she's using it. Oh, really? What, what is she on? Well, she's on Snapchat, Facebook. She's, and then they start telling you, right? right. They start to divulge, divulge the information. So it's approaching it that way, getting a baseline of where they're at. But that requires the parent to know what they're doing. So how do we get to know what we're doing? So we need to be trained as well. And one of the things, so, um, Hector, that I see when I go to these uh, presentations about social media is, is um, they don't go deep enough. They, right. And I think people are afraid, even when they're, they're done by police. Like um, they don't talk about the dark web or, you know, you can download the Taurus, or not the Taurus, it's the Onion, the onion router for free, uh, which basically mm-hmm. takes all of your stuff kind of underground. But I mean, even without that, I mean, um, the, the fact of drawing kind of the hard, the hard rule of, you know, at any time um, we, we have a policy of, if, if I want to see what, what you've been surfing or whatever on your phone, uh, we'll sit down together and I'm, I'm not going to be mad, but mm-hmm. you need to put your you know, password in and then I need to, to be able to see that. Something I thought was fascinating, I worked with a school district um, that had some grant money and they were trying to figure out um, with their middle schoolers, uh, a lot of middle schoolers were coming to counselors saying that they were depressed, they were anxious, and, and actually, which is, which is pretty common in, in middle school, but a lot of, a lot of, um, a, a lot of frustration, a lot of bitterness. Um, and, and what the school did through this grant is they actually did qualitative groups or, or got kids together in forums, you know, six to eight kids, and they sat down with a counselor and a facilitator and they said listen just tell us what's going on and, and also as part of that though they said um what what are you using for social media because this quickly kind of went toward like i've been i'm this person is calling me this on social media and their their mom is getting into it or like i'm seeing this or like you know i'm getting sick of of when everybody has stuff and i don't and and suddenly um and the and the rules were you can say whatever you want we're going to record this because we are going to use this. You will just be student A, you'll be student B, you'll be student C. And we want to try to to help you with this, get a handle. So you can help us. We want to help. And the kids were receptive to that. And that's the thing. You're honest with kids on this stuff, Hector. You're honest. And mm-hmm. this is the whole thing with the youth code of silence. And I did a lot of research on that in my doctoral program. I actually did an entire uh, course where that's I just designed it out and had it approved as an independent study. But you're honest with kids on this, and all of a sudden I remember talking to the counselor, sitting down in the counselor's office, and she went through and she said, "We learned that day about like 20, 30 apps we had no idea ever existed. We thought it was Facebook, and you know maybe like an Instagram or something like that. And this was a couple of years ago, so there are a ton of things that developed since then. And mm-hmm. um, and these kids were going and navigating and pulling up stuff that was just outrageous and and then we were also just alarmed of like they had no idea you know you delete that image or or even if you don't delete it you just move on that's out there that's forever and mm-hmm. how much information you're sharing about yourself you're you become externally motivated like externally yes. validated by by yes. what's happening and um and it was so raw and, and even in the language that the kids were using but they let them use it and then mm-hmm. they, they came back and met with them and said, listen, 
this is this is what you told us and and they had you know worked on it with mental health professionals and and then got you know the parents involved and did like a school presentation and said here's what's here's what's going on um so here's what to look for and and then they also you know it was the member checks and it was the whole thing of like making sure that there were strong ways to externally validate kids that didn't relate to social media and they also had um a group of of teachers and parents who would monitor more of the social media that was going on and they would tell kids too, you know, like if, if you see something where your your a comment has been made to kind of slam your 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 friend or something like that, um, go in and build them up. Like give them like kind of the, this massive like buildup of positive comments. So they just had like a group of teachers and and it and it was it was working. It might not have been the perfect response. But it was right. something, and the fact that the kids knew that they heard this, and then suddenly they're going to like uh, that counselor too, and they're saying, "Hey, like this app is is kind of you know this come this app has come out, and like whatever some people are starting to use it." And I'll never forget though, meeting with that, and the counselor was almost in tears, almost in tears, mm-hmm. of saying, "You know, if we wouldn't have done this, we had this we had this generous grant." And we never really thought to do this. And if we wouldn't have done this, we would have missed all of this. And and the word she used to me is we just thought this was, quote unquote, the Facebook fallacy problem of kids um, either addicted to Facebook or seeing other perceived lives on Facebook, whether it be their friends, whether it be celebrities or things like that. And it, it was quickly benchmarking against that. I'm not this good. And then what does mm-hmm. that say? What does that do that opens up the door for a groomer? Because a groomer says, right. oh, no, 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 you are that good. Like this person, you know, you're you're great. And you just, you know, you just haven't had the opportunities that this person has. You got the talent mm-hmm. and, and let me help you. And I've known people like who have, um, yeah, who have gone to Nashville and who've become, you know, singers and stuff like that. So, oh, no, no, you can do it. And yeah, your parents know. Uh, think of all these people like they they did it, you know, the, so so it's possible. And all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, like, you know. Um, so it is those discussions, those hard discussions that that don't happen. And I, re- I again, I remember in one of one of your um, episodes where it, the parent was very, very adamant of saying um, to the to the child, the the phone, you know, we need to have a relationship where you open up that that phone again. Yes. I'm, I'm not going to yell and mm-hmm. and anything like that. But if you establish that early on and two of, of saying if something happens where, you know, you've made a, a decision, you know, we all make bad decisions. But if, yes. if, if you feel you've made a decision and and you're uneasy, someone is 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 holding something over you. And I mean, you can you can be explicit on some of these things of saying, you know, like, I'm going to share this or whatever. We mm-hmm. will help you. We will mm-hmm. help you. We're family. We're tight. And the same thing with the member checks and those other kids. And, and I just I, I go back to that counselor in the school. And and this counselor said the 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 feel of the school changed. The feel of the kids changed. And mm-hmm. I don't know how long that was sustained or, or anything like that, but positively changed. Um, and and there I think it was was this this strong empowerment and letting people say what needs to be said. Um, and as you've indicated, I have never once, Hector, I've never once seen advertised a, a school um, or a community forum or even a school forum or even just for teachers. And I've offered to do this on my own 
at no cost um, to come mm-hmm. in and and just during an in-service day, you know, to to talk about some of this. And it's like, ooh, like, you know, mm-hmm. not sure we want to get into this because part of it is if we know about it, what do we do about it? And maybe we don't have the resources and things. And um, but I think again, you know, we've 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 mentioned a lot of things today. Um, I want to um, I, w- I want you to talk about you know as we get toward a close here. What are what are some of the resources? I know I have uh, Thorn, which was that Jared. Kuchner or, or who? No, no. Uh, Ashton Kutcher. Ashton, yeah, Jared Kuchner's with the White House, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. that guy. And so, yeah, someone's asking me, like, where did you get your phone, Dave? I'm like, from a museum. You know, that's that's, <laughs> that's where my phone's from. <laughs> you know, like I, I I scroll through like um you know my my apps. It's not like you know the you watch the person scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. I'm like scroll. And then I'm on the second page, you know, with the weather app and then something else and then I'm done. I mean, yeah, I, so my knowledge of this is, is, is very limited, but, um, but, I, but I am going to take it and, and go deeper into mm-hmm. it. And I've, I've already started that, that process and, and, and uh, you've contributed to that through the work that you've done. So let's talk about, you, you, you gave me Thorn and then the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Why those two? Based on what I was looking for as far as research and the people that are on the cutting edge of getting the information, of course, the National um, ex- uh, the National Center for Exploited and Missing Children, they have always been there. They've been there from the beginning trying to help children. So they're an established uh, institution, and they have a lot of resources on their website that will help you um, find the information you need or at least get you started with the information you need it. You need that's that's where I started as well. So I every every article that I read would kind of point back to if you need help or you need services, go to them. So I went in there and I looked at some of the resources that they got, and it's pretty comprehensive. They do talk about some of the things. They don't go in great detail, um, like I'm finding in some of these other local reports, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing uh, to pull those resources resources together for the listeners. Uh, the other one was Thorn, and they are on the cutting edge of using technology against the predators. So what they're doing is they're getting research grants and they're doing, they're getting people that are high level researchers, PhD level researchers and creating advanced algorithms to try to detect um, online solicitation of kids. And so uh, they, they are on the cutting edge of doing that and they're running advanced algorithms to detect, to come up with some statistics that um, now their, their software is proprietary and they're not explaining much, but I would imagine coming from a t- technology background that they're running some sort of um, algorithm that's going to give them a probability of sex trafficking or, 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 or child exploitations happening on certain websites. Um, there was a clip that I played in one of my podcasts um, where Ashton Kutcher, who... Um, you know, he was he was one of the founders of that nonprofit was mentioning that, you know, they were using this software and they're continuing to um, advance this software so that they, they can detect the websites and hopefully find kids as well that are in these situations. And one of the one of the websites that he was talking about was Backpage. But he said Backpage is not the only one. They're just one of maybe tens or hundreds of other websites that are doing it. Backpage just gets the notoriety because they've been in the news lately. So those are the two big ones. Um, my podcast as well is I'm I'm doing the research for for the parents, and so 
what I'm trying to do is as a father, I'm, I'm reading an article. So every time something comes through my timeline, I stop and I read the article and then I look for keywords in that article that are going to branch me out into other things. That's how I found the grooming, um, the grooming terminology and how prevalent it is across the board. I mean, let's not go that far. Just recently, we had a grooming incident that was national news. Larry Nasser. Yes. And that, what people don't know about, they hear, okay, well, wow, this guy's a child molester and he's doing all that. But what allowed him to do that? What's, what facilitated that? Right. It was the grooming, not of just the girls, of their parents. And in some of these accounts, the parents were in the room while he was doing that to their kids. And they were right there. He even explained to them as part of a medical procedure that this was going to be required. And, and the parents were okay with it because they didn't quite understand. They trusted this guy. Right. You know, gold medalist, uh, you know, he trained the gold medalist team of the USA Gymnastics. He's a world-renowned physician, right? Why am I going to go against him? Even when some of the girls came forward to their parents about it, they still didn't believe them. They trusted the doctor. And that's what grooming is, and people don't realize it. And so it's everywhere. It's, it's in sports. Let's also dig back a little bit deeper. The Catholic Church scandal, right? Right. Where the priests were molesting all those kids, and this was a worldwide problem. Well, how did that happen? Grooming. It's all going back to grooming. It's been there. It's been in our society. The only difference is it was localized. So these predators would put themselves in a position of power, get access to the kids, and then they would groom these kids. Now... They don't need to. They go on the internet and cast that web. And we've had some incidents or I've seen some incidents and stories where the groomer will travel a thousand miles yeah. to go and do what he needs to because we underestimate the deviant needs that these people have. So my podcast is doing that. I'm trying to do it. But, you know, hey, I'm one guy, right? So I can only go as fast as I can read and I can research. So if you have listeners out there or people that listen to my podcast, if they see something, send me the links, ping me on social media. Hey, check this out. I have a group uh, that's, that's been active. Uh, they're a technology company in England and they're actually following the podcast too. And, and I want to give a shout out to them. It's um, iNet Guardian and the, one of the founders there is sending me articles. Hey, check this out, check this out, check this out. And that's helping me because now I don't have to go search for that information it's coming to me. And if, we, if, if more people could do that, then I can pull that information together and get the information out more quickly versus me having to find an article and then pick it apart through you know, the research tactics that I'm using to try to get this information together. Because I'm not just going to throw a bunch of information out there. I need to relate it in some way and I'm going to put it into a story because a lot of times when you transfer tribal knowledge from generation to generation, it's in the form of stories. And we can all relate to stories. So that's why my podcast is, is not just a straight, I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to build the story. I'm going to try to immerse you into the story so you get a feel for it. And that's why you, know, you hear some real audio clips of you know, calls that are made or um, you know, 911 calls or uh, people talking to Congress if there's a certain issue that's being addressed in Congress. Because nobody watches C-SPAN. <laughs> Nobody no. does, but no. a lot of information is being is is being exposed there on 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 those channels. So, you know, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to do the research now. I've also done in the human trafficking. I've also done some FOIA requests. So I okay. see a case, 
and I'll put in a FOIA request. And man, I can see exactly what Dottie was talking about, the one that 80, 80 to 100 being reported. Very little information they're giving on the documentation of the trafficking. So, you know, I'm still pinging there, and Dottie is helping me with that. She, she, she knows how to track down these people, so she's a resource, resource that I'm leveraging. And we're trying to get a case where we can find somebody that has been convicted of child sex trafficking or human trafficking and pull all the case file. And we're going to go through it and try to pick it apart and then give the listeners a comprehensive story of this is how it started and this is the result. So I'm starting to work on those type of things. So if people see stories that, you know, hey, this is something that I heard about and awareness is looking into it, send it to me in direct message in Twitter, send it to me on Facebook, and I'll try to get gather that information together and release it to the public. Hector, that's, that's awesome. I mean, thank you so much for doing that. Um, I mean, the, the passion, the time you're, you're, you're putting into this and, and then you, and you mentioned Dottie and, and mm-hmm. the, the community. Um, and, and I have seen, um, you know, like, like even locally, um, police, um, become more aggressive in a task force to address this. So I, I, I think I, I want to come, I want to point out a statistic to kind of point where, so it was 1995. Um, we had 16 million users of the internet in the U.S. And I, and I know that because I went back and one of the things I did um, was I took every kind of substantial um, terrorist attack, and that was the year of the Murrah uh, mm-hmm. building bombing in Oklahoma City. So 1995. So roughly 20 years 20 years ago, 16 million people or a fraction. It's pretty rare. So yeah. I, I was, um, when I was in grad school, I remember in 1995, my roommate um, g- had the, the, one of the first internet accounts on campus. And of course we didn't have, there wasn't internet in our apartment or anything like that. So he would go to campus and he would be able to do the dial up. And he had a friend that attended uh, in a different state. They had both done undergrad. Mm-hmm. And we're in a paper science program, so he would email his friend, which I was like, email? What is that? But we are dealing, too, with something that um, this this is new. People are figuring this out, and, and this is very much um, a, a learn-as-you-go type of process. But as, as, as you indicated, and, and we kind of talked about this before, it's something – we have to jump in right now. It's like these rushing waters that are just mm-hmm. flying by us, these rapids. And it's like, I got to get in. I got to get into it. Like I, I've, I've, you know, I, I, we, I've got to, I can't wait anymore. You know, I've got to, of course, you know, be, be vigilant, but it's, it's like, no, I mean, I, I have to jump into this. I have to understand this. Um, because yeah, this went from infancy to all of a sudden just ubiquitous in the amount of, of 20 years, which is, which is a blink. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk just a second about Sprigio. Um, I'm a paid consultant for Sprigio, S-P-R-I-G-E-O.com. And, and I, I say this as I, I do this work um, partially for Sprigio to improve their user interface. Sprigio is um, a company that works f- with, has for years worked with um, online reporting for bullying, harassment, um, harm to self, harm to others. And um, Sprigio is now, um, per request of, of their clients and per the um, decision of the CEO, they want to um, become the first really online leader to help 
educate schools about what is grooming and how to interface grooming into possibly a reporting system because reporting systems don't have a way to, to do this right now. Um, so that is where I'm working and very, very diligently of, of and, and these are significant school districts, you know, school districts of 50,000 students where um, they're, they're saying this is happening. We, we have students who are being um, groomed. We don't have um, really a, a way like we've talked about to do any member checks. Nothing has been developed. There isn't a curriculum out there. Our reporting system is really designed for bullying. It was never designed for this. So how do we modify this? How do we do the whole education and how do we do it right? So that's where I'm working on this piece. Now, with that said, you know, like I want to get the message out with, with you um, and, and everybody else involved of bringing awareness to this. And, you know, I'm willing to talk to anybody. Um, I'm willing to do a, you know, a Skype interview. Hey, Skype me into your gym or Skype me in with your teachers. I'm not charging you for that. I, I'm doing this because I want you to know about this. I'll come into your, you know, school if it's, if it's, you know, reasonable for me to do so. Um, and I want to get that, that message out. So that is, that is kind of my own and, and you've given me strength, um, to, to, you know, to, to do that also, because I mean, through your podcast, you've taken on a brave territory where, um, uh, I, it's again, it, you, you, you are into something where a lot of people are like, they recognize it, but they don't want to step there because it's, it, it's very, it's very critical. It's very, um, you know, controversial. It, you were talking about Larry Nasser. The, mm-hmm. the 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 Olympic uh, physician who now I believe has something like two hundred um, mm-hmm. possible you know victims who who have said that they've been uh, allegedly uh, um, groomed groomed mm-hmm. and yes. assaulted by him. So this goes back to um, it, and we ask like, how does that happen? How does that happen? And and what you said too is is it's also positionality, mm-hmm. uh, like this adult you, earlier. You know, you were telling me that. Um, adults don't even hide it anymore. They might say, I'm a 35 year old, you know, mm-hmm. man or 45 year old man. And, and it's a 14 year old girl or something like that. It's not being hidden. And it's this whole thing of, um, of people, kids still like will, will look up and, and kind of have this awe of an adult and of Larry yes. Nasser think of a doctor. It was, um, it was right after world war two in the Nuremberg trials. A lot of the soldiers would say, we we're just following orders and even civilians like that German civilians and in occupied areas were saying, you know, we were following orders to, to, um, you know, to do these things. And, and it was Stanley and I have this up on another screen. I have three screens. So, <laughs> As you mentioned before, three screens, but um, yeah. So, um, but I, but I'm looking, and and I, I, I did, I did some in-depth research. Research. I just want to have it right. Though it was Stanley Milgram. This was in the, the 1960s. Had had worked um, and conducted research at Yale University, but basically said this was the whole research model, and this is where I think it's important. Again, this this is what I would include if I was doing a presentation to like um, a community. I, my myself, I think this is important because. Um, he set up, so basically people are paid like, you know, $5 and come into the university and we're going to have you participate in an experiment and they would sit down and it, it kind of comes back to anyone who's seen the movie Ghostbusters, the original one. And it's like, okay, what do you see? You know, they've, they've, they're paying the kid like the five bucks, a couple of wavy lines and it gets a shock or something like that. And, mm-hmm. but basically, um, the, the person was sat down 
and and there was somebody in a lab coat. And again, and then you had the whole surrounding part of Yale University. So you talk about Larry Nasser and then the whole mm. institution around him, the facility, the, the multi-million, the equipment, all of this stuff, which is portraying. Yeah. And then, um, so, so you have this. And, and uh, so Stanley Milgram is, is doing these experiments and he's saying, okay, uh, we're, we're testing the effect of negative reinforcement on learning. So we're going to ask somebody a question in another room, which is adjacent to you. And if they get it wrong, you're going to apply a shock. And they've agreed to this. And there's a dial and the dial's like mild, moderate, severe, and then it could be like fatal. I mean, this is what this dial says in, in front of people. Mm-hmm. Now Milgram thought that this would kind of prove the Nuremberg thing, why some people did stuff and, and, but anyway, this, this was his, his coming into this, his, his hypothesis was two to 3% of people would take it all the way up to fatal. Mm-hmm. And that would be it. Two to 3% of people and the rest would, would moderate or say, I'm not going to do it. And they would walk out or whatever. Um, and so anyway, um, you know, when you get up to the, and, and the person on the other side was an actor, all they saw was a light that went on, meaning that the button was being activated and they would mm-hmm. yell like, ah, you know, like I have a heart condition or this, I, this hurts me. Like this mm-hmm. is horrible. I mean, they were just screaming. You could hear them pounding like, and, and just terrifying. And, 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 um, and it ended up, um, Hector, it was about 70% of people took it all the way up to the highest level. And what they would do is they would, they would look over and they would see, the you know the person in the white lab coat and then it'd be like okay well this is harvard and mm-hmm. you know you're talking about like the, the parents in the room and stuff and it's like well this is harvard yeah. and that's going to allow me to kill anybody this is this is harvard right. yet the the immediate feedback they're getting is that they're causing this person extreme duress um and he was blown away by that and and now you know you can't replicate that they did that type of experiment anymore but it was one of those things too of this positionality and this trust and and looking at somebody and just these big eyes of somebody older, somebody that has a job and somebody that can provide you some resources and somebody who might be a little bit worldly um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, just, just how that manipulation takes place. Um, and how susceptible we are, no matter how old we are, yeah. to these types of tactic, tactics. So all we need is a momentary weakness in our life where we're devastated by something and then we become susceptible because at that point we need to, we feel like we need to hear the things we want to hear. And once we get that from whoever the predator is, then we, uh, we get caught in that web. We're the fly in the web. So Hector, do you have anything to share before we, we close because I, I do have a personal story, um, a short one I want to share that kind of brings this all together um, at the very end. Yeah, I just I just want to say to the people that are listening to this and also my audience, I haven't directly addressed them um, about this. But, you know, look, I'm, I'm just a dad. I'm just a father that stumbled upon uh, a project that I was doing research on. And found out that this world is changing at a faster pace than I was prepared for. And, you know, I want to teach my daughters to navigate this world, but I can't do that if I don't know what this world is like. And if with this world is constantly adapting and changing, I have to keep up with it. Even though I'm in technology, I'm not exposed to the social technologies that are out there. And really why I'm doing this is, is a selfish reason. It's because I'm trying to learn for my daughters. And what I'm trying to do is 
share that with people because I I know there's other people, even the people around me. I've talked to them about this, some of the other dads, and they're like, I don't want to hear it, man. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know those things. Right. And and that's the reaction. And and that, that that that's okay. I mean, some of these things are are hard to talk about. And even I, I mean, there'll be times, Doc, where I'm researching a story and I have to stop for like three weeks. It's just so hard to dig deep into these stories and to listen to people tell, you know, where they went wrong. And, you know, I asked the mother, uh, Krista Miller, in one of my episodes, I asked her, do you feel like you failed as a mother, as a parent? And she was flat out honest. She said, yes, I did. And because I wasn't prepared and I wasn't willing to do it. And so, uh, you know, I learned from that in that I'm not going to be that parent. I don't want to be that parent where I had the opportunity to teach my daughter something and I had to learn it, but because I was tired from work or whatever the case is, I didn't do it. So doing this podcast helps me stick to a schedule, helps me continue to research, and also helps me help others, which is something that since childhood I've always wanted to do. So it actually fulfills a need that I have. So you know, uh, a lot of times we podcasters are going in there and trying to do it for the money. I'm just trying to get the word out. Um, if the money comes, the money comes, I, you know, whatever. But the, what's important to me is the message. It's the story. And so you'll see that in the podcast. And, I, you know, I'm like I said, I was just a dad. I did. I, paid, I spent probably like 50 hours worth of training on audio engineering and trying to figure out that, you know, I shared some of that with you. You've yes. mentioned that in your podcast, <laughs> Thank you, so much. you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing that information where I go because, you know, like you said, the pod- podcasting community is a very unique community and really there's no constraints on our shows. We get to do what we want to do and we do it in the way we want to do it. And so that's what I hope people get from the podcast I, I hope that uh, the information that comes out, even though it's going to be tough to listen to, it's coming from a perspective of if you feel like it's tough to listen to, I've listened to that probably like 30 times already, trying to analyze it, break it down. And if something is mentioned in that discussion, that's a key term for me, I will go and do the research for it. So I hope people engage. I hope they uh, want to talk about these things. I've set up the mechanism to do it on Facebook through Facebook discussion. I've set up a website to do that so people can post comments on the website as well so that we can have conversations there. And also we have Twitter that we have. So we have many ways for us to share information as a community. And just having the discussion today talking about member checks and things like that, you know, that expanded my thinking as well. And every time you and I have a discussion we learned probably five to 10 new things that we didn't know previously. So even from our discussions that we've had in the past, we've learned a lot from even just those discussions. So I think as, as parents, as a community, if we can ask the questions that we want answers to, and together we can kind of come up with the answers, then I think we'll be better prepared for the future. I want to thank you for um, the time that you've given me tonight. Um, and, and for, um, you know, just for people listening, um, when this podcast is done, uh, Hector and I are going to spend a little bit of time. I do teach a graduate course for aspiring uh, directors of special education and pupil services. And we're going to spend a little bit of time with a direct message to people in that class because they're going to be the people who will be in charge of counseling programs, psychology, social work. 
and just stressing the importance of grooming and more or less um, directing them to use this podcast among um, other podcasts that you've developed, other resources to bring awareness to this this topic. Because a, a lot of people, either they're not aware of it, they're under aware, this will, um, this will be a benefit. Um, I'm going to close, um, Hector, first of all, thank you so much. And uh, I did pay forward the audio uh, favor that you helped me uh, with. Um, there was a, a podcaster who was into her fourth podcast and <laughs> had followed um, an interview that I was doing live. There was a, a chat room um, that the the um, host had, and, and mm-hmm. this was a regular thing. So then people would go in and, and they would ask questions. And then he would say, okay, we have a question in the chat room for you. And it was this person. Um, and then later had said, I'm starting this website out and here's some things that I'm, I, I, she's a, um, a lady in, in Canada. And, um, and it was funny because she said, I'm having some, she just uh, sent me a message. Um, what do you use for like your audio or something like that? I'm like, I was helped <laughs> out by somebody. I'm going to pass this forward and probably not to the, to the, um, same level of expertise, but I did introduce her to some of the things that you had shared with me, and, and I appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I have a very personal story that I'm going to end with. Um, and it was early in my administrative career, and I was a new um, administrator, a new school administrator. Um, and of my administrative team, um, one of the the other members in the district, so we're talking a district of, of maybe about 3,000 students just to, to give some concept of the size. So basically you knew all of the administrators. It was a pretty close-knit team. Um, one of the administrators, um, I, I always um, appreciated the, what he had, he had brought to the meetings. He was from district office. Uh, he had a sense of humor. He was was very um, supportive um, in any you know student matters that had had come up, and I remembered just how much um, I enjoyed working with this this person. And then um, I was working on my own research for grooming after listening to a few of your episodes. Went online. And, and was was listening to some other um, interviews, watching some other shows, getting some other depth, and uh, a name came up. And and it, I recognized the, the name, of course, it's just a name. But then other details of this person's career were mentioned. And all of a sudden I realized this is the person I sat next to in how many meetings? And this person was um, convicted and put into prison and will spend the rest of his life in prison for um, grooming. And I listened to the tapes. The tapes were put on line and, uh, and listening to his voice. And um, it, was, it was a range of feelings from anger to disappointment, to fear of like, and I don't know the timeline. This was a long time ago of, of when this was this happening, when I knew this person or not, but I knew this person. I, I knew this person. We had, you know, um, 
you know, administrative cookouts and sitting next to this person, you know, on a deck and, and talking and, and things like that and had would have never have thought anything like this. And in hearing this, this discussion, this lengthy discussion um, he had with somebody posing as a, as a child who was actually, you know, under, undercover um, and, and how graphic and raw and, and I, I struggled with that. I, and, and, and I have done things in my career, like served as um, a critical incident debriefer and which I do right now, you know, for my, my county and a neighboring county, meaning um, if there's a tragic accident, um, I, I might be called in to help firefighters and EMS um, kind of work through that. Um, and this, this hit me harder than, than any, any of that. And it, it, it was a violation of trust and I felt so angry and then I felt disappointed for everybody that worked with him. The, 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 obviously the, these, these families, these, these kids that he had um, assaulted and sexually assaulted, actually sexually raped, I guess would be the, the correct term of reading through the, you know, the conviction of how horrible and their lives were changed in their families. And, um, and then seeing his picture, you know, and seeing him in orange and in the courtroom, like bringing up the articles and reading through. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, it was, if, if, and, and here's the thing that I, I went and I, I took a long run after I had, had kind of learned about all of this stuff and it was sinking in. And had somebody asked me one day before I knew any of this, what do you think about this person? What do you think about this person? I'd be like, they were great to work with. I loved working with them. They really had, you know, the best interest of kids. And and um, boy, I I looked forward. They had a sense of humor at meetings, and and then just you know someone that would follow up and say, oh, by the way, they were convicted and they're spending the rest of their life in prison. And um, you know, I'm trying to play through that in in my head. And and, and so I mean, it's one of these things. It, who does it happen to? I mean, I would have never imagined. And I know the family. I, you know, I knew mm -hmm. I, I knew the family. And 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 too, as I listened to the podcast that you had, um, I I thought of like if this was if I was one of the parents, how I would be driving to everywhere and looking. And and the feeling. I mean, I'm listening to this and and I'm feeling panic. Um, and I'm not even involved in this. You're, you're talking about a story that involves somebody else, and I think it was even a parent who was looking in places that a, the student or and I said, the child Coffee obviously can. wouldn't be. They're not going to be in a drawer. They're 14 years old. They're not going to be in a dresser drawer. But I mean, the mind just goes, and, and I'm feeling this, and that's why from what we've done today, as a piece of a of of a chain, you know that that or a, I, I would say a, a tapestry that we weave stronger, all of us together. Yes. Um, to 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 help prevent anybody from having to go through that because I mean it's it's it was empathic it was parallel which I was feeling I've I fortunately never had to feel or experience any of this directly but um, it it was and it's, and as I talk about it now it is a sickening disturbing horrible feeling and I I don't know why and who knows why somebody you know does does something like this but. 
that is not the question right now. The question is what hap- What can we do to fortify that if anything like that does happen, if somebody has has taken on this path of, of being a predator and, and doing these things that we put in place a means to interfere that connection and cause a disturbance so that does not evolve to something that becomes absolutely tragic. So, oh man, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard. I, I, in you know, I'm not using any obviously names and things like that, but I mean, it, it brought me, and it brought me down as a professional too, because I'm like, I don't want anyone in my profession. I don't want anyone doing this at all. I mean, none of us right. do, but I mean, I don't want anyone in my profession doing this where kids are looking up to them and they are giving speeches at graduations and, and, you know, um, things like that. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's, yeah. it, it's hard. It's hard. You, I, I don't you know. You were in the, you were in the presence of a master manipulator, and that's what it looks like. It just looks like the guy next door, the great guy that's that's good with everybody, good with people, manipulating them, just like he's doing with the kids. And so, if we're susceptible as adults to these type of people, the kids don't have a chance. So we need to band band together as parents to give them that fighting chance to know to get that radar up so that they can at least know that they have a safe place to come to us. So I'll, I'll leave with this. So, so Krista Miller was a parent advocate and her daughter was, was in a trafficking situation. And she mentioned about giving our, our kids grace, giving them that grace so that they can have a place that's safe, that they can come to us and not have any repercussions. And then I'm going to leave you with uh, Alisa, Alicia Kesakevich and her story where she was groomed and luckily she was found. But her message is, telling kids what they want to hear versus what they need to hear, right? And then I'll also leave you with Dottie's message of, you know, this can happen so quickly and it can be utterly devastating, even to adults. Uh, I mean, so every piece of the stories and the episodes that I do are connected in some way. And you're going to see going forward with all the other areas that I'm going to be branching out into, there's a connection there. And so... Um, I really hope that, you know, with your story that people realize, look, this is real. This, I mean, we're talking about this stuff and there's a few degrees of separation for the people that are listening and also myself. But you just explained that you had a situation that was a one degree separation and there could have been a possibility where your kids could have been exposed to this guy through a, a work function or something like that. Right. Yeah, I would and have so, had no hesitation you know, if he would have stopped over at the house or mm-hmm. anything like that, I, I wouldn't have had any hesitation on that. Yep. And that's and that's the world we live in, unfortunately, nowadays. And, you know, I try not to live my life paranoid because you just can't do it that way. Right. Um, but I go to bed at night thinking, have I done what I need to do to protect my kids and give them the information and the tools they need? so that they can navigate this world. I can't do it for them. And as parents, we have that tendency to overprotect and to shield them from the bad things. But in this day and age, we are the first set of parents that are dealing with this type of situation where the kids can actually know more about the world than we can because of the access that they have to information. No other time in history has that happened where the kids could have more access to information than the kids, if you really think about it. 
So as parents, we don't have anything to bank on. We can't go back and ask for advice from our parents. They don't know. Right. There's nobody to turn to. So we need to turn to each other and learning. And the information is out there. It's just fragmented all over the place. And so part of what you're doing now is trying to gather that information and you're trying to go through the angle of school administration and help that way. What I'm doing is I'm pulling information for parents so that they have a a mechanism so that they can listen to these podcasts. They're free. They're available. People can download them. They can listen whenever they want. They can listen over and over again and also providing mechanisms for discussions like we're doing on your show today. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you for being a guest on the Safety Doc podcast. And in addition to that, again, you know, everything that you've done, Hector, and the Awareness uh, podcast, please, please check it out, the Awareness podcast. Um, I had to buy a new 16 gig <laughs> micro SD <laughs> card um, because I, you know, I've selected my podcast and I, I have, you know, um, a kind of very narrow band of very specific um, professionals, you know, that, that, that are, are very serious about researching and, and producing and giving great quality content. You're one of them. And I always um, download and listen and listen many times and pull away from that. And as you said, it's, it's not to be um, afraid of the information out there, but it's to be aware and to recognize what you're really dealing with. Um, and to equip yourself and your kids the very best that you can and to give that, that advantage to yourself through knowledge, which maybe is, is, is the, the flip side of this whole thing too, is we are also at a point when we can access, um, you know, knowledge ourselves, um, that we couldn't have done, you know, in a, in a previous time, like these, these podcasts and use these to our advantage. Um, so Hector, again, I, I want to thank you tremendously for, um, spending this time with me as we worked our way through um, this this very delicate, very complicated, raw uh, topic that takes emotions all over the place. Um, I, th- I believe we provided benefit to the audience, provided avenues for the audience to contact you um, or to contact me, and, and I can can bring them um, you know in, into your resources so they can get more information. Um, and then people, of course, I, I think will take some of this and, and start to do their own, you know, awareness. I mean, that, that, that's been created. So um, thank you. That's my hope. Yes. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much again for, for being on the show. And you're, you're doing wonderful work, Hector. Really, thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it.